Good afternoon. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners back uh, to this, the second segment of our Disciplines of Discipleship series. Today, we'll be exploring silence and solitude. And pastors Andy and Sam will once again very generously share their reflections, their experiences and perspectives in much the same way as we did during our first segment. Uh, my name is Tabby Holler-Jordan, and I'll be moderating this series. And before we begin, Sam, if you would like to lead us in prayer. Yeah, with pleasure. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this day, that as we discuss these things, that it would be a fruitful endeavor. Lord, that it would lead us closer to you, lead us closer to communion with Christ and with the Holy Spirit as we learn about these things, as we talk about silence and solitude, that these things uh, would encourage us to that holy union that we talk about with you, to that apprenticeship with Jesus. And so, God, we pray for all of these things, knowing that this is the, the desire of your heart and it is the desire of ours together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sam. Well, before we kick off, um, happily, we, we got a couple of questions um, from the IPC family, and I thought it would be a nice way to, to essentially bridge the conversation that we had last week um, with this week's um, discussion. And interestingly enough, the two questions are, are almost two sides of the same coin. And one question was, how do we essentially enhance our readiness to embark on this spiritual discipline journey? And the second question, which was from someone who said, you know, essentially the, the concern that this person felt was that it feels like a lot of work and that it implies a whole list of to-dos, you know, to an already full agenda. And so the question, which I thought was an interesting one, is, is do you, Andy and Sam, feel there's a particular perspective maybe or a mindset that would help us kind of overcome that, that initial reaction and pushback? And, you know, what else can we do in respect to that first question to kind of ready ourselves for the journey? Do, do either of you or both of you have any personal reflections on what has been helpful to you in that regard? Um, I thought they were very interesting questions. Yeah, they really are good questions. And they're honestly, they're, they're questions that um, I think really naturally arise uh, when you start to talk about what it is that we as Christians are supposed to do. And um, yeah, I mean, like, like we talked about last week on the level of um, on the level of like the Protestant Reformation level, we, we want to affirm and remember that we aren't earning God's favor at all by um, anything that we do, uh, but, but God loves us and that is expressed to us in his son uh, who he gave for us and who gave himself for us. And so um, at that level, there's nothing that we can do or should do uh, to try to earn God's love and favor. So the difference here is that we are attempting to move into a posture where we might be able to experience and enjoy God more, right? It's one thing to have the, the, um, the verdict, not guilty, right? In, in the court of God's holy commandments. It's another thing to have the, the judge take off the robe and, 
um, set it aside and embrace you as, as a child, right. And take you home with him and spend life with you. And so that's what we're trying to, to lean into here, I think is, is the experience of the pleasure and enjoyment of God. And yes, that does also mean, um, apprenticeship to God's son. Um, there is a pattern for, humanity uh, to live a fully human life. And Jesus shows us that that way. And so uh, it does take discipline. It does take effort, um, but not earning. So that's one dimension uh, that, to me anyway, relieves the sort of moral burden that I feel to be a better Christian, right? Um, I don't know if, Sam, you want to address that, or maybe you could think about the other half of the question, which has a lot to do with preparation. And then just the question of like, how do I manage one more thing in my right. life, you know? <laughs> right. And actually, so this is a, this is a, a great question. When we talk about silence and solitude, um, isn't it just adding more things into a busy schedule? I think is, is how the person phrased it. And to be quite honest, it may feel that way, or it may seem that way when you look at this list, right? Now I need to have this much time to do this thing, or I need to add this into my schedule. But in reality, the way I see these things and the way I've practiced these things is not taking things or adding things into our lives rather, but taking things away from our lives to create that space for God to be more prevalent in our lives. If we're talking about apprenticeship to Christ, then what we're talking about is removing the things that are distracting us from apprenticeship to Christ and allowing him, the person of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and with us and through us. And so to me, when we talk about these things, especially the discipline of silence, but we're really with both, we're taking away everything that we offer. And so in a way, the idea of silence and solitude specifically, other ones as well, but what it is, it's a removal of things. It's a, it's a freedom from things. Um, and in doing so, is that it actually, if you think about like filling up a plate at a buffet, if you already have a full plate, well, how can I add anything more? But really what Christ is saying, no, 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 no. Take some of those things off because those things aren't good for you. And let's make space for the things that I have for you. Mm-hmm. And so while certainly it can feel that way or seem that way, oh, now I have all of these things to add to my list of prayer and, and Bible study and going to church. Really, um, I think the heart of these things are, are quite contrary to that opinion. You know, if we, if we don't schedule our lives, if we don't set our priorities, then someone else will for us, right? (laughs) Like our, you know, the TV producers will, or Twitter will, or our boss will, or, um, you know, anybody and everybody will set our agenda for us. And so any one of our email accounts might any, Andy, any one of our email accounts might schedule our day for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, um, so it, along with your plate at the buffet analogy, it's another way of saying like, you don't just walk through the buffet and like have, have various chefs just throwing stuff on your plate. You say, whoa, 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 I'll make the decisions here. <laughs> I'll have a little bit of this. I'll have a little bit of that. And I want a little bit of uh, negative space on my plate as well, right? Um, so I just think this is, a, in some ways, it's, it's empowering because um, the disciplines tradition reminds us that um, a, the goal is to be with God and to live our whole lives in God's presence, but B, also um, that in God's image, we get this sort of authority to say, like, what happens in our life to some degree? Like, 
no, I'm just not going to do X, Y, or Z thing that people are demanding that I do. Um, instead, I want to choose these other things. So, I mean, think of Mary and Martha, right? And the story where Jesus goes to visit them, I think at Bethany and, um, and Mary is enjoying Jesus's presence and conversation. Martha is worried about housekeeping and there's nothing wrong with housekeeping, but, um, but Martha's like, Mary, do the dishes, you know, cook some collard greens or, or, you know, peel the potatoes or whatever. And Jesus tell, tell Mary to help. And Jesus is like, I got to side with Mary here. She's at least right now, she's not preoccupied uh, by these other things. No, I think, I mean, your comments, a couple of things jumped out at me because I do think these two questions, frankly, kind of haunt us all the time, right? In terms of, we constantly feel as if we are kind of, you know, one, one nostril above the waterline, essentially, right? So, so we're coming to a lot of our experiences and our life choices and our faith with a kind of zero-sum game mentality, right? So, um, so the, the themes that both of you brought up, which I thought were really interesting, is that we have this tendency to look at transactional, right? We have a very transactional mindset, and somehow if we can kind of recalibrate our thinking, right? Um, it's not about a transaction, right? It's, it's almost a state of acceptance and presence, which is almost a different vocabulary and a different mindset. And I think that, you know, the notion of subtraction is a really interesting thing too, because we are constantly adding and, and it does take a disciplined um, kind of approach to, to actually calibrate that and say, you know, I can also subtract. And to just, you know, play on the, the buffet analogy, I was laughing to myself because I, I was thinking about one approach that people sometimes say is that instead of worrying about your portions, right, when you're on a diet, use a smaller plate, because when you use a smaller plate, the frame of reference makes whatever you've chosen look even more kind of generous. So to, to some extent, I think it's, you know, you, you both touched on really interesting ways around how we can kind of tweak our mindset, right? And and I do think we have a tendency to not be proactive, but be re reactive, right? And I think the whole notion of response ability, do we have the ability to respond rather than react, right? And I think there's something about the spiritual disciplines, it's very much around responsing, you know, our capacity to respond, not simply a knee-jerk uh, reaction, but but let's you know move kind of segue because I think it is really interesting because in terms of subtraction, it would seem that silence and solitude that you know I think when we think about that relative to the lives that we're leading, it almost feels like an oxymoron, right? What what is what is silence, right? Um, and I, I sometimes fear that we have, it will become an endangered species as an experience, right? Um, there is very little silence. And yet this is a different kind of silence as well. So I wanted both of you to remark on, again, what these two notions conjure up in your minds from a faith perspective, and then any perspectives you have in terms of your own response ability to these to these two issues in your own lives because I do think um, kind of that notion of, of how do we modify or make adjustments to make room make space um, 
and why silence and, and solitude are kind of the very profound acts of subtraction, in essence. Um, so I, I would throw that out to both of you. Yeah, um, thanks. I think I can take a stab at it. I think we talk about what these things are. Um, I mentioned this in the last podcast for those who listened to it, talking about how, you know, I sort of tried to use solitude to my own advantage, or I didn't really like silence at first because um, I was sort of alone with my thoughts and thought, wow, I don't like what I'm hearing. And um, really what we're talking about here is in its essence, as far as I understand it to be in my own life, the discipline of silence is very much like what I said before about just taking all the stimuli away from our lives to the point where we can, you know, just take away everything we offer really, and just be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. um, many of the church fathers talked about it this way, right? We take away everything we offer. Uh, so what is that to us this today and in our modern life? Well, maybe that's just as simple as taking headphones out of our ears and, and not thinking about our schedule or not talking or not trying to actively think about other things, no writing, whatever. Um, but when we seek silence, for me, as I think about this, it's, it's not something where, as to use your term, to, that we react to. It is something we simply sit and rest in, mm -hmm. um, and which is why we need practice. You know, very often, many of us are thinking about what we're going to say before the person we're talking to has finished speaking. You know, we, we constantly in our daily lives are thinking about what's next. And in my understanding and in my own practices of silence as a discipline, um, this is something that we have to do to sort of empty our thoughts, mm -hmm. to, to, to really create space for God to speak to us. And for many of us, that's an odd thought. But when we read scripture, we realize that this is what God is doing constantly with his people. He is not a far away distant God, but he is living alongside and conversing with his people. And God actually desires us to hear his voice. Um, and so to that end with silence, that's sort of how I see that. It's not a reactionary practice at all, but really a uh, one where we take away all of the things that we can offer. Um, and then with solitude, it's not so different, but it's, it's a very simple sort of creating space by isolation. You know, so silence can coincide with it. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about solitude, what we're doing is creating space where there's not a ton of outside or external stimuli. So there's not things that are going to interject into that time, but rather creating space, um, maybe with silence, maybe without, but where God can also, and then again, we're opening space for God to lead, for the Holy Spirit to lead us into something rather than us creating that space or creating that stimulus um, for what we're seeking. I, I was thinking of a quote from, I think it's Eugene Peterson says that if we pray apart from silence, then we are praying out of context. <laughs> if we are praying apart from silence, we're praying out of context. And I, I take it that what he means there is that there is this effort to be efficient with God by rushing into God's presence and saying, here's the things that I need. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to praise you. So here's the things that you're good at God. Okay got that out of the way. Now here's the things that I need. Can you get on that for me? Um, I've got a busy life. Okay. I'm, I'm out. Um, in that kind of, a a rushed efficiency where we're using our words as tools to sort of get God to act for us. Um, 
we're praying out of context, I think Peter would, Peterson would say. And so for me, it's brand new in a, in a lot of ways to think of, of silence as an absolutely essential ingredient of prayer so that I come into God's presence. And what I long to hear is God's voice, God's uh, even just to sense God's thereness rather than to just make a verbal transaction where I say the things I'm supposed to. And in return, God gives me the, the verbiage that will give me the peace that I want and the assurance that I want and all that. Um, I don't know. I've been, I've been mulling on over that, that quote from Peterson for a while. How do I make sure that I'm not praying out of context? And I think one aspect of that is to, for me, the career talker to shut up uh, <laughs> when I come into God's presence and just, just be and listen um, so that I then have something to say uh, that's, that's worthwhile in response to, to God's thereness. Yeah, Andy, I would, I would add one thing to that. I think that's right on. Um, especially when we talk about prayer and I'm sure we'll talk about this more as, as we go down this road, but there was, I, I don't know his name. Um, but there was one of the church fathers I remember reading who said that we only pray when God gives us the gift of prayer, mm. sort of saying that even, even the fact that we think that prayer is something that we own and possess, um, this perspective, what we're talking about here. And, and there's a lot of ways that quote can be maybe even misquoted, but the idea just that this is a gift from God. And so, coming into silence and solitude or prayer, any of these disciplines really is to acknowledge that these are gifts that God gives us mm -hmm. that we would know him more. And I think that's a really helpful place to start. Yeah. And I love that word gift, right? Um, because even that connotes something quite different, right? As opposed to an activity that we indulge in when we become the recipient of a gift and we try to stay in that state of readiness and acceptance and gratitude, Right. It's a very it adds a very different perspective. I mean, I was thinking as, as you were both speaking, um, particularly, Sam, your comment about, you know, in the capacity of listening, even in a conversation, we're already beginning to formulate our response. I occasionally find myself during the service when we have a moment of silence that I'm kind of calibrating in my mind. Right. And I've I, you know, if it's my own personal prayer or acknowledgement of sin and so on, and then I've, I've kind of finished and I'm waiting for that silence to end. And it is, it's so interesting to me. And I have found myself kind of speculating on, you know, what would that feel like and do to the IPC family if we were to have longer silences in our service, right. So that we allow kind of, things to marinate a bit, to kind of distill, to go potentially to a deeper place, because it is the cadence of even our services, right, is, is often quite choreographed. And there's something about the open, kind of the improvisational aspect of staying open to those gifts in the, con in the context of that silence, which is very intriguing to me. And I wonder if you know, that whole notion of, of even patience is a discipline um, and, and kind of working against our own kind of calcified habits, right, of, of response and jumping and, you know, sort of, you know, presumptively kind of trying to control things. And I wonder if the issue of some of the anxiety that was perhaps reflected in these two questions or, or concern was that sense of, 
I don't, the whole idea of silence and solitude somehow negates my ideas of control, right? I'm not in control here. And is, are we offering up potentially an excuse for that discomfort? And, you know, I wonder if, if we, if that unwillingness to be uncomfortable is essentially a classic example of our being in our own way. And, and, you know, God is just challenged with trying to be heard right and uh i wonder if there's a danger that that voice sometimes gives up occasionally because you know we're not in a state of readiness right and uh so that silence um you know is something that that we're not kind of drawn to and we don't look at it as a gift i just those are just some quick reactions i have to both of your comments because i do think it's a mindset on a spirit sense, right, in terms of how we're engaging with silence and solitude. Yeah, I think I think you're right that it, it could be control. Um, and then the sort of shadow side of that is the fear of maybe not being in control and the, the fear of like, what would come into my head if there wasn't any stimuli? <laughs> Probably some pretty dark things, right? Um, Ruth Haley Barton says that silence and solitude are a chance to get quiet enough to be able to experience our own loneliness and longings. And um, it is scary when you, when you shut up for long enough to realize that you have deep longings that, uh, that as of yet have not been met or fulfilled, right? That, that, that actually you want more out of life than you're getting and that maybe you can even produce on your own. Right. So ultimately, again, like all of these disciplines, I think they, they are one way or another of drawing us into prayer and prayer is nothing other than being honest and open and present in, in God's presence, um, in Christ. And the Psalms are full of, of David and others bringing their longings honestly and openly before the Lord, we're just too busy and too, too big of chatterboxes and too constantly stimulated to even know what we long for, much less to bring those longings honestly before God in Christ, right? I just think that's kind of tragic, actually, when you think about it. And, um, and, then, and then what happens is that if we dare to go there, all of a sudden, we, we don't have the emotional, spiritual um, tools to process what's really going on in our own hearts um, before the Lord. Um, and then very, very naturally, then we feel like we need, I need a therapist or something, somebody or a pastor or somebody, a good friend to help me process things that I've just kept stuffed down uh, below. Right. Yeah. Right. Andy. And that, I think that's really good. And I think that what you're hitting on there is something that some people have probably heard me talk a lot about, which is, what we're really seeking and craving is this intimacy with God. And intimacy, by definition, is not marital intimacy or physical intimacy, but it's really just being 100% ourselves with God and being okay with it. And as, as you just mentioned, you know, if we get alone with our thoughts, part of these disciplines of discipleship with Jesus are to get alone with our thoughts so that we can acknowledge, hey, this is really my heart and I need Jesus to come in 
and forgive these things. I need Jesus. I need to lay these things at the feet of Christ. Like you mentioned Mary and Martha before, I need to be at the feet of Jesus right now because this is what's in there. And, you know, Tabby, you mentioned the control thing. You know, we busy ourselves for the sake of control, right? Because if, if, if we fill our schedules with things we know we can do, then we never fail. And, and if I'm going to be, I'll be totally honest, just from my own experience, when I began practicing these things in my life, part of my fear was, what if I fail at these things? What if I'm not a good enough Christian to do these things? You know, and to be honest with you, I did fail. I remember the first couple of times I practiced solitude, I would go down. We had a, at the time I lived in Denver, Colorado, and we had an unfinished basement. And it was the only place in my kind of in my house that wouldn't give me some sort of stimulus to, to make my mind wander. And so I'd go down in this just kind of a concrete floor with nothing down there and sit down there. And for the first couple of times I really tried it, I fell asleep. I felt, <clears throat> I felt like a failure. I thought I can't even do solitude with God. I mean, I'm so bored with God that I just fall asleep. Well, that may be half true, but I think really the deeper truth was just simply that it was a time in my life when I was exhausted and I needed sleep. And in realizing that, I began to realize I had too many things happening in my life and I had overcommitted in areas of my life. And the fact that I couldn't even spend 30 minutes in quiet time with God without falling asleep was revealing other things to me. And so these practices, when we come to the feet of Jesus, it can do so many things. It can help us repent of our sin. It can help us see where our focus is not on Christ in our life. It can reveal to us things in relationships in so many ways. Um, again, like I said before, it's just simply by allowing Christ to come in and, and, and show us these things. Because when the light comes in, the dark cannot stay. And, and that's really, in a lot of ways, what we're trying to do here is, is find more ways to invite the light of Christ into our hearts and into our lives. Mm -hmm. I add one other uh, quick thought, and that is just that um, one of the things I'm learning is that... Um, there's plenty of sin to confess, of course, but some of this is also um, practice in being yourself in God's presence and also realizing that that it's not all sin. It's it's often just emotion. It's just stuff you know that happens to you and you're having your psychosomatic reaction to it, right? The emotional intelligence people say that um, if you don't process and then express your emotions, in a healthy way, then they come out of you sideways, right? And they spill out onto everybody else in negative ways. And so silence and solitude with God is an opportunity to, to process and express what you think and feel um, deep in your, in your most personal being before a God who already knows it and who is really generous and compassionate to us, much more compassionate to us than we are to ourselves. And so that's why you have, as Calvin says, you have a whole catalog of all the human emotions in the Psalms. Thank God for David and his buddies who give us permission to just say what we're thinking in God's presence. So that when we go back into our families or our, our companies um, or into our churches, our emotions can be expressed in healthy ways rather than just kind of spilling out all over everybody. Uh, so it's not just dealing with our sin, but it's also um, dealing with our natural, not necessarily sinful emotions and dealing with them honestly so that later they don't end up spilling out in all kinds of ugliness and sin. Yes, and amen. <laughs> could I 
Can I say one more thing, Tabby, if that's okay? Just as a, a practical step for anyone listening to this who really is wondering, what do I do and how do I start? Um, I wanted to mention this briefly is just, you know, Andy, Andy and I have talked about this a lot. And I think I heard it from him back a couple of years ago and did the discipleship thing is that with these things, when we're not sure, we want to start small, but we want to start today. And whether that's as simple as not listening to music on your way to work, or um, if you listen to a podcast or music when you exercise, just take the headphones out for a while. Set a time or a place at the beginning or at the end of the day and just schedule five minutes of solitude to be by yourself um, and begin practicing these things. And let us know how it's going. Talk to a friend about it and just begin to go down this road because one of the things in my life in any ways from my own personal experience has been that it's it, it very much has a snowball effect, but it can be really hard to get going. And so set some very tangible but very accomplishable goals for yourself um, and and stick to them and find some people who will maybe do it with you or something like that because uh, these things are definitely possible. And sometimes it's easy to hear two pastors talk about emptying your thought life to hear from Jesus and all these deep, deep thoughts. And you think, gosh, I, I can't even read the Gospels without getting confused. I mean, how am I going to do this? And the reality is that, that I would share with anyone listening is that this is what Jesus desires from us, is that we would remove these things so that he would be able to dwell among us, as it says in John 1 that Jesus came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that is his desire with us. And so if anyone has any questions or concerns or trouble getting started, please, of course, reach out to us and, and let us know how we might help and support you. Amen. Absolutely. Well, on that note, I think, again, lots of richness in what you both have shared, lots of tremendous food for thought. Um, Andy, if you'd like to close us in prayer, um, that would be terrific. I'd be glad to. Let us pray. Uh, good and gracious God, it is so good and refreshing uh, to be in your presence. It's better to be in your courts and to know that you are king and on your, on your throne uh, than to be anywhere else. Um, and we thank you for the invitation to be more consciously in your presence day by day. We want to take all of our lives and have them be given over to your service in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, in the way we are by ourselves, and especially in the way that we are with other people, uh, so that our lives can be a gift to others. So we count on you in Christ to forgive us for our failures. We count on you to, in Christ, strengthen us by the Spirit for every good work that you have planned for us and to do inside of us uh, a little small version of what you plan to do for the entire creation, and that is to make all things new. Make all things new uh, inside of us and help us to begin uh, with silence and solitude and to see where you lead us from there. For we long to experience your presence in Christ and we're grateful for each other and for this conversation. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you both. I just want to say, you know, on behalf of all of our listeners, the, I think these sessions are so powerful and um, give us a tremendous amount of, of um, reflection, topics to reflect on, and just considerations about making this 
part of our lives. And so I just wanted to thank you for, for both of your insights and recommendations and so on. Um, for those of us um, that are participating in this series, um, our upcoming session is on simplicity. Um, and in the meantime, please feel free to reach out with any additional questions or comments. Um, we welcome your input. And until next time, we wish you a, a blessed week. Thank you very much. And thank you, Andy and Sam. Thank you, Tabby. Bye-bye. <laughs>